super fun. Hey, grab your Bible and turn to uh, John chapter 10. And we're in the middle of a series called, Who Does Jesus Think He Is? Who does Jesus think he is? We've been looking at the I am statements in the Gospel of John, and we've been learning each week something more about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. This morning, I'm going to read from John 10, beginning in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired man and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down of my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's spend a moment in prayer. Father, open the ears of your people. Jesus, be lifted up. And if you be lifted up, draw all sorts of people to yourself. Holy Spirit, we wait for you. We ask for you. Fill your people. Guide us in truth. For I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So there was a woman. She was driving in a minivan, and it was filled with children. And as she was traveling along, she ran a stop sign. Did I mention that her minivan was full of children? It's easy to get distracted. She ran the stop sign, and a police officer pulled her over. He walked up to the minivan. He looked in the, past, the, the driver's window, and she, she, he said, <laughs> "Oh, he said to her, ma'am, you just don't know when to stop. She looked in the back seat where all the kids were, and she said, well, they're not all my kids. That's pretty good, right? That's a good one. You know, a lot of times we think Jesus is that way. 
that he doesn't necessarily want to say, hey, these aren't all my kids. But you know, there's not a single person in here that Jesus Christ isn't willing to say, you belong to me. There's not a person in here, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter what guilty feelings you may have, if you'll look to Jesus Christ, he's a good shepherd. And he will gently and gladly take you into his family. He's not ashamed to call any of us his. You know, we have a difficult time understanding what Jesus means by the metaphor of a good shepherd because we don't know any shepherds. I, mean, I don't know any shepherds. So I was thinking this week, who are the shepherds in our culture? And I realized the shepherds in our culture, do you know who they are? They're mothers of infants and toddlers. Those are shepherds. If you want to know a little bit about what Jesus means when he says, I'm the good shepherd, think of what a mother of an infant or a toddler does. All day long, they feed and clean a person that can't do anything for themselves. And then the moment that that person starts to be able to walk around the age of one, they spend the rest of their life chasing after that little viper in diapers. They're shepherds. They feed, they clean, and they chase mothers of infants and toddlers. This week, my wife has been in uh, Louisiana staying with our daughter, and she happens to have a, a newborn who's two months old now, Hudson. And so this week, I've been getting play-by-play, -play, and every day, Sue Ellen's called me, and she's told me <laughs> how many diapers she's changed, and how many times she's had to change her clothes because of spit up and, oh man, shepherds, that's what they do. They feed, they clean, they chase. And Jesus is the good shepherd. There's no one better than Jesus at shepherding. Now we're going to walk through this passage in John chapter 10. And I want you to see four things in this passage about Jesus, the good shepherd. I want you to learn this morning his unrivaled identity. I want you to learn his unexpected sacrifice. I want you to see the undeserved relationship that he makes possible. And I want you to understand the unfinished mission that he calls us to. An unrivaled identity, an unexpected sacrifice, an undeserved relationship, and an unfinished mission. Let's jump in. Verse 11 of John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. So this is his self-disclosure of his identity. Who is he? Who does Jesus think he is? Well, he reaches back and he borrows a metaphor from the Old Testament. 
Now, for us, the passage that many of us think of when we think of the good shepherd is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or as the message translation says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. But for many who were awaiting the Messiah in Israel, the verse that they would have thought of when they considered this shepherd is Ezekiel chapter 34. And in that passage, Jesus reaches back. When he says, I'm the good shepherd, he's reaching back to a passage like Ezekiel 34, verse 11. When God has indicted the shepherds of Israel for their failure to lead and clean and feed and chase the flock of Israel, he says, shepherds of Israel, I'm going to do it myself. And in Ezekiel 34, 11, thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out as a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when it when he is among his scattered sheep so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down on good grazing ground and feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. Bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, what is he saying? I'm the one who was promised by God to come. I am the shepherd who's come to reclaim the scattered, to bind up the broken, to help the weak, to feed the, the hungry. And isn't that what we see Jesus doing all through his life? Jesus is the good shepherd. So what does it mean when he says, I'm the good shepherd? Well, in the time of Israel... And in the time when Jesus came into the world, the, the question of what is good was a really important question. The Greeks spent many, many, many hours and years searching to discover the good. Okay? That's about as far as I can get in Philosophy 101. Aristotle, what is the good? The Jews... The Jewish religious leaders, they knew that they knew the good. To be good was to obey the law, to be like God. So it wasn't a mystery to them. But when Jesus comes and he says, I am the good shepherd, 
Remember, a man came to Jesus one day and he said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You remember what Jesus said to him? He asked him a question. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So what have we learned about Jesus' unrivaled identity from those two things? He's the shepherd of Israel. God himself come into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. And he's the good shepherd. And who is good? What is good? God is good. So what is Jesus saying? My unrivaled identity is that I am God in the flesh. Without ceasing to be God, Jesus Christ put on humanity and dwelt among us as the good shepherd. That's his unrivaled identity. There's only one. There's only one Savior who's fully God and fully man. And when you understand Jesus' unrivaled identity, it makes what he says next even more amazing. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. An unexpected sacrifice. An unexpected sacrifice that Jesus Christ, without ceasing to be God, put on humanity for one purpose, that he might, through his life and death and resurrection, secure salvation for us. Through laying down his life. He says it in verse 11. He says it again in verse 15. I lay down my life. Verse 17, he says it again, I lay down my life. He says it again in verse 18, I lay down my life voluntarily as a substitute for sin to make propitiation. Don't worry, I'm going to explain all that. But let me tell you a story to help you understand it. Many years ago, there was a man named Ernest uh, Gordon. Ernest Gordon, for many, many years, he was the chaplain of Princeton uh, University. But before he became the chaplain at Princeton, during World War II, he was a fighter pilot in the British, you know, air flyers people. Okay? With me so far, Ernest, Ernest uh, Gordon? He was shot down, and he was taken to the worst prisoner of war camp in World War II, the Japanese prisoner of war camp in Burma. And in that Japanese prisoner of war camp in Burma, the prisoners, the prisoners would steal food from one another. The prisoners would steal medicine from one another. The prisoners would turn one another in to the Japanese in order to gain and curry favor from the Japanese. It was horrible conditions. Then one day, everything changed. One day, a a group of prisoners were coming back from working all day. And when they got back to the prisoner camp, 
the Japanese said there, there was a shovel missing from amongst the tools and equipment. And that meant certain death for everyone in that group. And then one prisoner stepped forward. That one prisoner stepped forward and he said, I, 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 I took the shovel. And the Japanese beat that one prisoner of war to death. And then it was discovered that there wasn't a shovel missing. <laughs> that soldier laid down his life for his friends. And when the rest of the prisoners heard the story of that man's sacrificial death, it changed everything in that prisoner of war camp. And suddenly, prisoners began caring for one another. Prisoners began sacrificing for one another. Prisoners began working, even for their captors, with a new joy and enthusiasm. So much so that there was a movie made about it, Bridge Over the River Kwai. Jesus Christ laid down his life for his sheep voluntarily. He laid down his life. It wasn't taken from him. He laid it down of his own accord. He said he would. Jesus laid down his life as our substitute. We had such a debt that we owed God because of our sin that it could only be paid by the sacrifice of God himself. So infinite was our debt that it required an infinite payment, and only the Son of God could make that payment on our behalf. And Jesus did it as our substitute. On the cross, God took all of our sin and put it on Jesus, and Jesus was punished in our place as our substitute. And that sacrifice for our sin was a propitiation. That means that on the cross, Jesus Christ fully satisfied the wrath of God against sin and sinners so that he could forgive us and welcome us into his forever family. Jesus did that for you. That is an unexpected sacrifice. He did it out of love. For you and for me. An unrivaled identity, God in the flesh, an unexpected sacrifice, an undeserved relationship. What do we receive on the basis of Christ's death? On the basis of Christ's death, what we receive is access into God's forever family. What we receive is a relationship with God by grace, an undeserved relationship. We receive it. We don't achieve it. We receive it by grace through faith in Christ. It's an undeserved relationship. And, and we have two things simultaneously. We have intimacy and we have access. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd, and I know my 
own, and my own know me. That's intimacy. Jesus knows his people, and his people know him. To be fully known and fully loved at the same time. I mean, listen, every single one of us, there's something that we've done. There's something that we've thought, said, or done. There's something that we've left undone that we're terrified that if everyone in this room knew it, we would be run out of here. And I assure you that Jesus Christ knows everything about you and he loves you still. Intimacy, to be fully known and fully loved, and access. Access. Look at verse 15. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. How close a relationship does Jesus, through his death, bring us into? He brings us into the family of God, that we get to call God our Father. We have intimacy and we have access. Last week, while I was still in Louisiana, in the middle of the night, Hudson, our grandson, he started crying. He started crying. That, it's just amazing that I even heard it. Okay, But I did. And my wife, of course, heard it. Of course she heard it. She got up and she went into Hudson's room and she picked him up. And that didn't surprise me so much. I mean, I've watched my wife for 27 years give and sacrifice and love. That didn't shock me. But what happened next surprised me. Sue Ellen took Hudson and she called out, Madeline, Madeline. And you know what Madeline said? Bring him, bring him to me, bring him to me. That's access. There's only one person that if you called out to Madeline in the middle of the night and said, Madeline, Madeline, would she say, bring him to me? That's her son, Hudson. God the Father, when you cry out to him, Daddy, Abba, Papa, Father, he says, come. Come to me, the king, the Lord of glory, the one who made everything, says you now have access to me. Come, come. An undeserved relationship and an unfinished mission. What do you do? What do you do when, when you realize that you have intimacy and access to God the Father? When that begins to bring renewal to your heart, when it begins to grip your heart and you begin to experience the love of the Father like you never have before, what do you do with something like that? You go and tell others. An unfinished mission, verse 16. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. You ever wonder, why does history go on? 
You ever wonder, why do things continue in this crazy, mad, 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 mad world? Because God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit have left the church on earth with an unfinished mission to bring people into the fold of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. He has done everything necessary to make people acceptable to God and he invites us to join him in the mission of going and telling them come to the shepherd and he says when we go and tell they will hear not our voice but his voice and they'll return to their shepherd their friend their king their savior Jesus they'll hear his voice and they'll come why does history go on? Because Jesus Christ wants his name to be known amongst every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Matthew 24, 14 says this, the gospel of the kingdom must be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. Or Mark 13, 10, the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. It's an unfinished mission. But we, the church of Jesus Christ, are his number one plan and only plan for getting the gospel of the kingdom to the nations. And they must come also. He invests his full support and promise to the task. Which means when you get involved in the unfinished mission of taking the gospel across the street or across the ocean, you have the promise of Jesus' full support. He says it must happen. The task must be finished. And then, then the end will come. But it can't come until the mission is finished. So what do you do with a shepherd like that? What do you do with a shepherd with an unrivaled identity, God in the flesh? What do you do with an unexpected sacrifice, a shepherd who would lay down his life for his sheep? What do you do with an undeserved relationship? What do you do with an unfinished mission? You follow. You follow the good shepherd. In John 10, verse 26, or 27, I'm sorry. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. There's two groups of people in here this morning. Some of you are lost. You don't know the shepherd. There's only one way into his kingdom. There's only one way into his flock. And that's for him to pick you up and put you on his shoulders and save you. And that's what he did on the cross. He put you on his shoulders 
and he saved you. And our part is to receive him, to say yes to following him, to admit the bad news of the gospel is true of me. I've sinned to believe that Jesus went to the cross for me as my salvation, as my substitute, and he paid the full and awful penalty that my sins deserved to commit my way to his, Jesus I'll follow. You lead. I'll follow. If you haven't ever done that, won't you do that this morning? Come up after the service. I'd be happy to explain to you more how to become a follower of Jesus. But if you've received Christ, it doesn't do you any good to simply content yourself with the fact that someday I'll go to be with heaven. Go to be with Jesus in heaven. And that is true. Oh, it's glorious and true. But what Jesus wants for you more than anything this morning is to see yourself as a follower. A follower of Jesus, the good shepherd. When you identify as a follower of Jesus, his unrivaled identity becomes your identity. You get to be called a child of God. When you follow King Jesus, when you follow the Good Shepherd, His unexpected sacrifice becomes your single hope for salvation, yes, but also for a transformed life. When His undeserved relationship becomes your greatest identity, you will have no other choice but to tell others so that an unfinished mission can be finished. It's not hard for me to tell others about my grandson Hudson It's not hard for me to show pictures of him. It's not hard for me to pass on stories of all the cute things he's doing. It's not hard. Oh, that it would become that way for us with Jesus. That his unrivaled identity, his unexpected sacrifice, his undeserved relationship, and his unfinished mission as the shepherd would become for us the reason for our following him, and we couldn't help but tell others about our good shepherd, Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, help us. Help us to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, penetrate deaf ears and hard hearts. Help us hear your voice, Jesus, saying, come to me. Help us hear your voice saying, trust in me. 
Help us hear your voice saying, follow me. Help us hear your voice saying, go and tell. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.